All right, you guys ready? Yes. Stop the next person next to you and tell them, are you ready? Yes. All right, let's pray. Lord, we give you honor today, Father. We glorify your holy name, Lord. God, you are so good to us, Father. You are our cornerstone, Father, Lord. And Jehovah, God, no matter what happens around us, Father, no matter what's going on in the world, Lord, that you are constant talking of glory, God, and we can count on you, Lord. Today, tomorrow, in the beginning, every time, Lord, every single time you've never failed us, oh God. And Jehovah, God, we can declare your faithfulness even today, Lord, no matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our lives, oh King of glory, God. We thank you for bringing us here today, God. You brought, here, you brought us here for a reason, oh God. And mighty King of glory, I pray that you may soften our hearts, Lord, to hear what you have for us, Lord. To speak to us directly, O King of glory, too. So that, Father, when we leave this place, Father, that we are not the same, Lord. But, Father, as we always say, God, that we have encountered you, O King of glory, God. We quiet the noise around us, O King of glory. We come again. Anything that's distracting us from listening to your word, O God, or you speaking to us, O God. We pray, Father, that you may quiet in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray, Father, that you may move me out of the way completely, Lord, so you can speak to your people, myself included, Lord. And I pray, Jehovah God, that this word will go and open our hearts, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we continued uh, the book of Hebrews. And today we're going to be doing Hebrews 18, 12, 18 to 24. And the title of today is Choose Your Mountain. So if, if you look at uh, chapter 12, from the beginning we've learned a couple of things with the Wednesday preaching that we've been going on. So in the book of uh, in Hebrews 12, we've learned of a list of people, a, a great crowd of witnesses who had great faith, and we ought, we ought to learn from them. Uh, Jesus himself being one of the main examples, he endured, he, was to- he endured being tortured, shame, and now because of his endurance, he's able to sit in the right head of God. And then despite of the many trials that these great men faced, guess what? they still were faithful to God. That Hebrews 12 encourages us that we can endure, that we can overcome, that we can be victorious if we lay down the things that easily fools us and lead us away from Christ. Those things that keep us away from the race that God has set before us. Right? And uh, we learned from Pastor Christo that, suffering, that when we suffer, when we receive suffer, we, suffering, we, that is supposed to strengthen us. But in our culture, the way we do is we suffer and then we cry about it and we focus more on the suffering than really focusing on what God is trying to do. Cause because uh, the, the Bible says if we can't run with the footmen, how can we run with the horses? If we cannot endure the things that are going on right now, which we still have our cushy lives and everything that's going on, how are we going to be able to overcome when things that are really going to be testing us are going to be in our lives? Are we still going to be standing strong? Then Pastor Jeremy spoke and reminded us that we need to pursue peace, which is hard, right? <laughs> but not only that, but we also need to pursue holiness. Because without holiness, we can never see God. So the writer of Hebrew, he's, he's really encouraging us and telling us, guess what? These people have already done it. You can do it too. But it's not easy. You can't just walk around and assume that things are just going to happen. You need to actually do some work in order for you to be able to endure I, when, I read, when I read Hebrew 12, honestly, I feel like it's an encouragement. Because first of all, it tells me that there are people who are human like me who endured and can be able to do it. And so, in the same sense, I can overcome. You can overcome. 
we can live a holy life. It is possible for us to worship God and praise him in the, middle, in the midst of our circumstances. He endured, other people endured. And so um, the Bible verse that we're going to be reading today, Hebrews 12, 18, 24, the writer continues to encourage us. And I say it's a continuation of encouragement. Because sometimes when, when you read it with a, with a mindset of, oh my goodness, they went through this, then it becomes something that's not an encouragement. But I think if we put our minds that we are reading something that's going to be encouraging, then the, whatever we're going to get from it, it's something that's going to help us in the next step. Amen? Uh, Hebrews 12, 18, 24. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, or whirlwind, as the Israel did in Mount Sinai. For they had an awesome trumpet, blast, and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If, if even an animal touched the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I'm terrified and trembling. No, you, do not, you, not, you have not come to Mount Zion. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's first children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirit of righteousness, righteous one in heaven, who has now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus the one who mediates the new covenant between good between God and people, and the sprinkled blood which speak forgiveness instead of crying out for virgins like the blood of Abel. So what's the writer speaking, talking about? Uh, my first point is this, the past, Mount Sinai. See, Mount Sinai represented a separation from God. Exodus 19, 10, 13 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate. Go to the people and consecrate them to, uh, today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come upon Mount Sinai uh, in a sight of all people. You shall set the boundaries for the people all around, saying, "Take heed to yourself that you do not go up the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him. Not a hand shall." shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether animal or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sound long, they shall come near the mountain. So the writer is saying, do not forget what Mount Sinai represented. Mount Sinai, you are not allowed to touch the mountain regardless. The presence of God was so great that you're not supposed to touch the mountain, which meant that it separated them from God. They could only see God from afar because there was no way they could, they could, they could be together. It meant that there was, there was no relationship between God, a personal relationship with God. They had to, there had to be a gap between them. There was a clear separation between God and man. And God only appeared from a distance. There was no Holy Spirit. Think about that. Right now, we take that for, for, for granted, that we have the Holy Spirit. That today, right now, as we worship, we can directly speak to God. But God is saying, it doesn't matter what you... So, it doesn't matter what you are doing today or what's going in your life. You can just come before God and speak and you don't get destroyed. But he was saying in this thing, like, I need you to consecrate yourself for two days. And it's not the consecration we do. This is cleansing and all the rituals they had to do. And then on top of that, they still could not even come close to God. But yet for us, when we have the opportunity to come to God, when you have the opportunity to speak to God, we are not doing it. 
Exodus 20, 18 and 19 says, Now all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flash, the sounds of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar. They said to Moses, You speak with us, and we'll hear, and let not God speak with us. That the people were so afraid of God, that they did not want to come close to God. That they asked Moses to speak to them. And even Moses was afraid of what God was going to do to these people. And it doesn't mean that these people were more wicked than we are. And that's the contrast I want you to see. It doesn't mean that those people were more wicked than we are. It's just that the blood of Jesus came in and made that gap. So as we read this, as we read the Bible and as we read this Old Testament, you're like, yeah, those people are wicked. They made a calf. They did all these things. But then when you compare to what we are doing, and God was still des- was, was ready to destroy them even after they had cleansed themselves and fasted and done all the things beforehand. But yet we do all these bad things and all the things that we do, yet we can just come straight up to God with no separation. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy... 9.18 says, And I fell, this is Moses speaking, I fell down before the Lord as the first 40 days and for, as the first 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread or drank water because of all your sin which you committed in doing wicked in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him in anger. For I was afraid of the anger and the host displeasure which, with which the Lord was angry with you, to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. See, by looking at Mount Sinai, the writer of Hebrews is encouraging the believer to see that there is a better relationship with God now because of Jesus Christ. Because if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what we do, there will still be that separation. See, the writer is reminding them of what was. And I know even today in our lives that it's so easy for us to forget about our past. We like, to think about our, we, don't, we like to think about our new cars, our new homes, our new clothes, our new friends, but then we don't take time to remember about the old things. Yeah. Remember when you're praying for that old car? Yeah. Right? Your first car, right? <laughs> remember when you're praying for that new shoe, right? Remember, right? What about now? When is the last time you prayed for that shoe? Okay, just checking. <laughs> but see, the thing, the issue with that is, we are so quick to go into the next thing that we treat God the same, same way. We treat God the same, same way. We are redeemed. We are saved. There are things that God has gotten us from, but immediately we forget about those and we start looking for the next thing that we can get from God so then we can glorify Him. And that's what the writer is saying. He's saying, I want to, before we even talk about your promise, before, before I talk about the next promises and the things that you are going to attain by being in this different mountain, guess what? Let's talk about those old things. Because it's good for us to remember what God has done for us. Because if we do not remember what God has done for us and what he saved us from, it's really, really hard for us to appreciate what God is doing in our life. The children, we, always, you know, we always come down the children of Israel that they forgot, they forgot what God has done for them, right? But as we look at, like when I'm going through this message or when you're reading the Bible and you take a moment and say, Lord, where do you see me in the children of Israel? What would I be doing? What's my life look like? You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised to realize that actually, because most of the time when I, when I read the Bible and I'm like, man, they had a cloud of fire, they, they had a cloud over them, they had a fire, they had God leading them, they saw all these things, yet they 
did not listen to God. And I'm like, what's wrong with them? But yet you, myself included, we have our breath, we have our life. We went through serious times in our, in our, in our lifetime. And we continue to forget what God has done because we are crying for the next thing. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the beautiful thing about this is, Christ did not save us because we have it all together today. Because if you realize that Christ did not save you because you got it together today, it will will make you go on your knees, knees and praise him because he saved and loved you and loved us before we were who we are today. And if we know that, then guess what? We can be able to praise Him and worship Him every single day because of who we are today, because it was what He did before. See, today, you're in a different place. You have come, like the Bible says, you have, come, you, have not come, you have not come to a physical mountain, a place of flaming fire and darkness and gloom, a place of judgment. See, somebody needs to be reminded of this today, that you are not who you used to be today. That the writer is telling the believer that they, know they, they are no longer who they used to be. And it's time for them to walk in freedom. Because I think sometimes we get carried away on where we are, that we forget about where we came from. That even as we try to take the next step, we have that mentality that we are still prisoners. Though the blood of Jesus has set us free. Do you remember where God has saved you from? Are you walking in that freedom, glorifying Him? I'm not just talking about, are you just remembering what God has done for you? I'm asking you, do you remember where God has gotten you from? And are you glorifying Him every day in your walk as a Christian? Or is it, Lord, you got me here and I'm good, and then I'm going to call you the next time I need something, and then we can continue walking? Or are you saying, God, I am so grateful because I was dead, but now look, you've given me life, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life glorifying you. Yes, there was a past. Yes, we made mistake. But a new covenant has been negotiated on your behalf. And you too can walk in God's freedom. See, the thing is, when you read about this, when the Israelites came in, they did not have a choice on which mountain they were going to go to. They did not have a choice of a mountain. They had to go to Mount Sinai. That was the only option. And they couldn't even say, I want to come and speak to God because already God, even before they came, God said, I need you to consecrate yourself. And on top of that, I need you to stay far. Don't even touch it. Nothing can can, can can be touched. But today we have a choice. We have a choice. We have a choice that we can approach God. We have a choice that there's a different mountain, and that's Mount Zion, and we just read about it, where we can be part of God's, God's kingdom. Today, we've got to choose our mountain. Mount, Sinai await, Mount, Mount Zion awaits. My second point is the future, Mount Zion. The writer, the writer having reminded them that they, where they came from, he draws a contrast. Now he's talking about telling them, listen, you are no longer where you used to be, but you are now on a different mountain. You are now on Mount Zion. Here you get to see Jesus. Here you get to hang out with Jesus. Here Jesus fulfills the covenant that allows us to be able to go before God and have that personal relationship. See, a new covenant is negotiated, one that sets us free, one that's prices so dear that it's paid with blood. Matthew 27, 50, 51 says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and gave up, gave up his spirit. 
And at once the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rock was split. And it was that moment where we couldn't even come to the holies of holy, where we couldn't even come close to God, that Jesus' blood allowed us to be able to come to that. But then we take that very lightly every single day because we just, it's there. Life goes on. It's there. We have to remember what was paid. We have to remember where we came from. We have to remember what those before us endured to get us to this point. We can assemble as firstborn children of Christ. And not only that, but our names are written in the book of life. That the blood was shed to offer forgiveness. And unlike Cain, who killed his brother Abel, and the blood of Abel was crying for vengeance. The lighter, the lighter wants us to, re, to believe, wants the believers to change their mind and live like people who freedom has been paid for. I wonder today if the Hebrew writer was looking at our lives, what he would say about our lives. Really, if the Hebrew writer was looking at your life as a Christian, and somebody who loved Jesus, as somebody who's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, as somebody who Jesus has gone on the cross and endured all those things, how would, what would they write about your life? How would they write about my life? Do we live like we're still on Mount Sinai? Or have we realized that we are now on Mount Zion? Are we walking confidently with, of who God has called us to be? Have we placed our hope on him? Or are we still being held prisoners by our thoughts? See, a time has come when we have to rise up and recognize that we have moved from Mount Sinai to Mount, to Mount, towards Mount Zion. And if you haven't, this is a good time to start doing that. And if you find yourself on Mount Zion and your life is still the same and nothing has changed, it's time to ask God to review what is going on in your heart. It's time to call upon Christ and tell him, Lord, I need you to work on my heart and tell me, you've redeemed me, you've changed my life, you've brought me to this point. You've given me, you've done an amazing thing above beyond anything that I can ever think or imagine. Tell me, Lord, what do I need to do so I can live like somebody who's been, who's been redeemed? God is asking us today, will you, allow my, will you allow me to search your heart? Will you allow me to set you free? Will you allow me today to guide you towards the right mountain? Today is the best day to make that change. My third point is this. Now what? Okay, we talked about two mountains, so now what, right? So the first, po- the, 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 the first thing about that is stop relying on Moses. The Israelites asked Moses to speak to God on their behalf. How does that play out today? You guys want to know? Yeah. You want to know? Yeah. So we encourage you to read your Bibles. We encourage you to, speak. We encourage you to, to, to go before God, to know the word for yourself. But then we just get comfortable by just coming here on Sunday, Wednesday, and returning to the preacher. And then we go home and we never even open our Bibles. Yeah. What is that different from telling Moses, go speak to God. And then when you get the information, then you can come relay whatever you've heard. We push you and we encourage you to pray and spend time with God. We even have prayer on Monday night where you can spend time with God. 
We encourage you to speak to God. Not that you have to consecrate yourself for two days. Not that you have to walk a distance and go before a mountain where you think about the multitude that was there waiting to, to, to see God. It's not like everybody was in close to the front line of the mountain. There are people who are far and far. Couldn't probably not even see the mountain because there was a big crowd. But yet they still went out there. But as for we have the opportunity to speak to God directly. Without doing all those things yet, we can't even take an hour a day to spend with God. How does it play out? We push you to seek a deep relationship with God. That you may find Him where He may be found. But yet, we spend more time in other things than spending time with God. Now what? Encourage yourself. Did you guys know that self-motivation is a real thing? Yeah. It's not just in the world of businesses and, and life where you put in the thing in your mirror and say, those little things that you say every morning, right? <laughs> Actually, guess what? It can be done for a Christian too. You can wake up and say, today I'm walking as a son of, as a, as a son of God. Yeah. Today I'm walking as somebody who has freedom. Today I'm walking as somebody whose, who, whose price has been paid for. Right? And in Isaiah 50, 52, 1-3 it says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garment, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake, shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Lose yourself from the bones of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord. He's saying, awake, awake. And some of us, honestly, we need to awake and know where we are. He says, awake and remember the Lord's judgment and promises. He says, awake and put on strength. Because if we remember what God has done for us, if we remember his promises, guess what? We will awake. We will wake up. And we'll be able to follow what Christ wants us to do. You know, think about the Bible, when you think about David himself, he endured a lot, but he had to encourage himself a lot. He had to encourage himself, but he encouraged himself by holding on to the promise of God. You know, on Monday night, uh, Eva spoke and she talked about uh, um, the sun stands still. And she said, uh, which I I hadn't thought about that, but it was really good, she said that the reason why, um, Joshua? Joshua, the reason why Joshua prayed and said this, uh, that the sun should, uh, should... So here, if you don't know about the story, is Joshua is fighting an army and the sun is about to go down and he prays an audacious prayer and says, God, stop the sun where it is. That's a bold prayer. I don't know about you, right? And so the reason why he... He was able to do that is because if you go back a little bit of a little a couple of verses before, it says that God had promised him victory. And he knew that if the sun went down, guess what? The army, the other army would go and regroup. And if they regroup, then they'll be more stronger, and then the victory of God will not happen. And the reason why Joshua was able to stand up and say, Let the sun stand still is because he was holding on to the promise of God. He was saying, God has already said, we are going to overcome. We are going to win. And so when his prayers were not like, let the sun stand still so it just happens. He was saying, no, let me tell you something. God has promised we're going to have victory. And I'm going to hold on to his promises. And because of that, I'm going to do some audacious prayers today. 
What if we lived our life like that when we prayed in the Bible and we saw the promises of God and really prayed those promises and said, it doesn't matter what it looks like because honestly, asking the sun to stand still, that's a major thing. Encourage yourself by holding on to the promises of God. Isaiah 4, 1, 3 says, But now, thus says the Lord, who created, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for the ransom of Ethiopia and Seba in your place. For I have redeemed you. Those are your promises. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter where you are. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. They shall not overflow you. And these are not small rivers. These are huge rivers. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God will uphold you. See, this evening I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you to choose which mountain you are. Mount Sinai, there is fear and terror. Mount Zion, there is love and forgiveness. Mount Sinai, it's a desert. Mount Zion is a city of the living God. Mount Sinai Sinai spoke of the earthly thing. Mount Zion speak of heavenly thing. Mount Sinai, characteristic, characterized of guilty men. Mount Zion features man made perfect. Mount Sinai, Moses was the mediator. Mount Zion, Jesus is the mediator. Mount Sinai, old covenant. Animal blood had to be spilled. Mount Zion, new covenant, the blood of Jesus. Mount Sinai is exclusive. Only people who were invaded would come. They had to stay away. But Mount Zion brings people to Christ. Do not go back to where you have been saved from. Let us remember to live a life that portrays that we've been purchased with a price. Today you get to choose your mountain. Get everybody to stand up. Then we're gonna we're gonna pray a video here, um, a song here. And uh, as we play as we play this, it's an opportunity for us to come up in the front and speak to Christ. If this message spoke to you, get up and come up here, speak to God. Tell Him what He spoke to you. Ask Him to search your heart, to see where you were, to see what's going on. So go ahead. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.